I love adaptogens. I love them. I take them every day. I used to be that way with coffee. Let's be honest. I would need it every morning, but now I love the feeling that I get from adaptogens, and it's a much more healthful (laughs) daily habit. That's what we all want, right? More, More healthful daily habits. That actually supports my body's physiology. Adaptogens are herbs and functional mushrooms that help your body adapt to stress. They essentially boost your resistance and tolerance when it comes to emotional and physical stress. They are good for stress support, adrenal dysfunction, hormone imbalances, anxiety, fatigue, you name it, adaptogens can help. The more I research adaptogens, the more I realize the easiest and best way to enjoy adaptogens is with superfood blends that can be added to water. Now I drink Organifi Red Juice three to four times a week, mostly mid-morning, and it's incredible for energy support and focus. It's a red berry antioxidant blend that has cordyceps, rhodiola, and reishi. They also have a green juice, which has ashwagandha in it. It's great for stress and recovery, especially if you're working out on a regular basis. And my favorite is Organifi Gold. It's my favorite nightcap. It's a sweet little warm drink. You can take at night. It's got reishi. If you've got anxiety or your mind is spinning at night, drink that as your nightcap. It is so good and it's calming. All of Organifi's superfood adaptogen blends are 100% certified organic and contain high quality ingredients. And they're also free of fillers and they taste really good and have clinical doses of adaptogens. You can support your body, energy, immunity, and stress with Organifi. Organifi takes pride in offering the best tasting superfood products on the market at a price that works out to less than $3 a day. Go to Organifi.com forward slash wellfed and use the code wellfed for 20% off. That's Organifi, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash wellfed and use the code wellfed for 20% off your entire order. You are now listening to Well-Fed Women, the show that's been radically changing the way women perceive health, fitness, and their bodies since 2015. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr. Submit your questions to wellfedwomen at gmail.com, and you can keep up with the show on Instagram at wellfedwomen. Welcome to the Well-Fed Women podcast. This is episode number 405. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr of coconutsandkettleballs.com. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner and a certified personal trainer. And today I'm here with my co-host, Stephanie Ruper, author of Sexy by Nature, purveyor of the finger gun and founder of healthtoempower.com. Today, our topics are going to include holiday foods and treats, modifying food choices during the holidays, saying no thank you at parties and family gatherings. We're we're well-versed in that. Uh, Digestion problems that disappear on vacation and sudden PMS and nausea before your period. Hi, Stephanie. (laughs) Hello. Hello. How are you doing? What time is it there? It's very dark. Yeah, it's almost 7 p.m. Okay. You had a long day, huh? Um, yeah, it's the end of the semester. So there's stuff. And, um, of course there's the ordinary amount of expectation given to us. And then there is of course the secondary and usually much heavier amount of expectation we give ourselves. Uh, so I've been working uh, quite hard this semester. I 
am hoping to produce content that people here and uh, other places really like. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I, I've I've been working quite hard, but I this means I'm a front loader. So I'm kind of I'm coasting in. I'm landing softly. You know, the end of the semester can be kind of uh, mm-hmm. nuts, but uh, I'm cool. I'm busy, but I'm not overwhelmed. So good. Cool. Yeah. That's a good place to be. So we are coming up on the holidays. We have a lot of questions about the holidays in our discussion. Do you want to jump into those now? Yeah, let's go. Okay. I want to make sure that we get to everything. So, okay. So this first question is from, and these are just kind of our fun what oh gosh i hate icebreakers but what what people would call icebreakers but it's our discussion so not real questions but real questions questions that have that spark good discussion so melanie says what is your favorite holiday slash festivity for the food or treats so like christmas cookies easter peeps oh thanksgiving turkey v-day chocolate birthday cake super bowl snacks and she says do you modify your eating choices on the holidays bonus question if you were a holiday which one would you be and why uh, that's a that's a really tough question because holidays are awesome yeah i am a big fan of the premise of giving thanks so even though thanksgiving is a complicated holiday for a lot of reasons i uh, my family, we always sat around and just talked about what we were grateful for. So I really enjoy that. Christmas is, you know, Christmas is Christmas. Oh, they're all just so fantastic. New Year's, <laughs> you know, turning a new leaf. They're all just so fantastic. How can you um, I guess if if New Year's had a food theme, it had like a theme, a symbol of food, it would be champagne. So yeah. I'm maybe going to go with that one. Really? Well, I would take champagne over any dessert. Like if if we're going by the food available, yeah, fizzy booze. Like I hate, I hate champagne. This is why I'm what? so surprised. I don't. It's just so sweet and bubbly, and it just it's just just bubbly sweet water. But really good. But if you but good champ, you know it's it's like it's wine, which is great with fizzy, which is also great. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so, so, okay, so, 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 yeah. Okay. So your new year's and your champagne, I am the opposite. I probably would have to be, I probably have to be Christmas cookies. I can't Christmas and Christmas cookies. I love Thanksgiving. Oh, you're such a baker. She's such a, she's such a mom, a baker. Okay. So no, it's cool. I love it. I love, no, I love Thanksgiving. I really do. We are, um, like, we did Thanksgiving at home this year and I loved it. I got to bake all my favorite things. I, I make these amazing biscuits. We get to fry our turkey in an air fryer. Um, I asked my kids what dessert they wanted this year and they said donuts. So I'm making my donut rest. I was like, what Thanksgiving dessert? You know, I want to do this together. And I want. I like that they get to participate. They're starting to participate more in cooking. I saw some advice on Instagram that was like, get your kids cooking and baking with you early. And so, like, I'm trying to do that more. And so Stella decided she wanted donuts. So, you know, donuts, all the things. So I love all the foods on Thanksgiving. I'm not a pie fan, but I do love Thanksgiving as a holiday. But I'm going to have to say Christmas, man, the cookies. I just, I, mm. I can't get enough cookies. <laughs> mm. Okay. I do. 
let's Go move ahead. on. <laughs> Are we going to move on? We can move on. <laughs> no, no, no. Please, commentary, please. <laughs> well, you brought up pies. Okay. okay. I am a very large fan of savory pies, not sweet, savory pies. It's part of the reason I live in Europe. <laughs> okay. We like have them it. here. <laughs> like a chicken pie, like, a, you know, chicken pot pie, they have them here, you know, uh-huh. and they, uh, like in France, they make, um, I, um, uh, like pate Lyonnais, like they make, a they make things uh, like with liver mixes, you know, like a sausage wow. thing, like a pork pie, like a, I'm a big fan of a savory pastry. That's like, that's my jam. So insofar as that is linked to the winter holidays, yeah. I could throw I could throw my head in them, but if I still had to pick between champagne and a pie, I guess it depends on what kind of night we're trying to have, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Intuitive or morning or morning, whatever. All it feels, yeah. Okay. All right. So, do you modify your eating choices on holidays? Not really. No. Yeah. I've just I've I've learned <laughs> over many many years that if I end up just changing the way that I do things on a regular basis. Like to, like if I end up eating a ton of, like, I don't want to eat a ton of cake. It doesn't, it doesn't feel good. Like I could, but it doesn't. So even though I'm like festive, yeah, I, I don't, I like to, I like to eat in a way that I won't regret it later ever. And I'm not saying this in like a diet mindset kind of way, just like Mm -hmm. in life kind of way. When I eat food, it can be stuff like pie, you know, it can be fun stuff, but I I never eat like an amount or a quality that later is going to feel physically or emotionally like unsettling. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's super interesting to me because I used to, I mean, it used to be this whole thing. And if you do, you know, observe what's happening on Instagram or whatever, and on our, you know, health websites, health and wellness websites, there's all these tips for keeping your Thanksgiving, quote unquote, healthy. It's so disordered. Um, And now Mm -hmm. that I'm not in that disordered mentality, I don't really think about how am I going to modify my food or what am I going to do differently or how do I control more what I'm eating like none of that I don't Mm -hmm. loosen the reins more I don't tighten the reins more I just eat the food um you you feel like eating and then you don't and then I don't feel like eating yes yeah so so obviously I have certain restrictions because of my own personal digestive issues so I'm not going to eat I'm not going to go to a, a party and be like I wish I could have all this stuff I just don't ever feel that way. I eat what I want to eat and I don't eat what I want don't want to eat and the stuff that doesn't make me feel good I don't want to eat. I don't know how to explain it other than that. I know it's not it's it, I wish it was easier to explain, but I do feel like I get to I love I enjoy making all of my special foods and then I just eat them in a way that when I'm hungry I eat them and when I'm full I stop eating them, you know, until they're gone and then when they're gone they're gone. It, we used to do this thing where it was like All Thanksgiving in December, we would kind of not feel great, both Ken and I, and before we had kids, and we wouldn't feel great, and it would just kind of, we'd be sluggish, and it just was because we were making too much of the stuff and, you know, probably overindulging, you know, because you kind of have that mentality of, oh, it's only here, and you can only have this once, and so when you have that 
that disordered mentality, you do tend to overindulge. And then we would have to do the whole 30 on Jan- in January or whatever, right? To kind of like feel better again. And I'm not saying it's there are seasons to life. And even this year, I feel like my season has been sort of reevaluating, recalibrating after stressful times and being pregnant and all that kind of stuff. And we have a question coming up later about that. But so I think it's great to reevaluate, to recalibrate, to, to take things out, to include things in, to shift. But in general, I don't, I don't feel like I make all that many changes. So, okay. Yeah. Next question. And this is really why I love Christmas because my love language is gifts. Although if you ask my husband, he says that all the love languages are my language. So um, that's a tall order for him. Uh, Melanie asks, how do you pick out gifts for people? My love language is gift giving. So I'm always interested in this. Do you go by more by what you like or what they like do you try to give gifts that will help their life health wise food wise what are your so some of your go-tos and then she has a little bonus question at the end that i'll ask but i'm interested how this has changed for you if at all because i know you're not necessarily Mm. a gifts person i hate gifts (laughs) at the same time i am an excellent gifter (laughs) (laughs) if i do say so myself yeah Um, i can see that you're very thoughtful I, I try. So when I gift, the first thing I think is like, what do I know about this person? And how can I, how can I give them something? I mean, if there's something that I know that somebody wants, I'll do that. But I ask myself, what can meet them in a way that helps support their, that helps support their flourishing, obviously. And yeah, so that might be giving them something that has to do with an activity they really like. I really like to personalize or add layers of meaning. And so I will buy symbolic jewelry and I'll say, well, I got this particular charm because, or this kind of animal because it's associated with these kinds of values. And you remind me of, you know, a a really strong mother, so elephants or something like, you know, something like that, uh, or colors. I got you this thing that's red and it reminds me of your passionate spirit and adding that layer of, I see you to a gift that's also practical is really fun. Uh, or like an engraved ring or a a bracelet engraved with a verse or something. Uh, so that's kind of how I like to gift, uh, or, uh, making donations to something that somebody is, passionate about or mm-hmm. an experience, you know, there's ways to think outside the box. Uh, this year, I'm really excited about what I'm going to do, but I won't tell you in case anybody who's going to hear, well, I haven't decided for sure if I'm going to do it yet, but maybe after it happens, I can let you know if it happens, but uh, yeah. And there's also, yeah, gifts are very funny. It's a, it's a way that you can express love, but I also, the expectation and the weird negotiations about money and society and waste and, you know, love is stuff. Right. And so long as you gift bracketing those things, knowing that those things are exist, then it's like, it's a cool love language. You just have, you know, there's all this other stuff you got to navigate while you do it. Mm -hmm. 
Totally agree. I used to be a great gift giver and then life happened and I just got so <laughs> overwhelmed. So now, now my, my family just sends me their lists and I like buy three things and I wrap it and I ship it in a box to them so that they get it on Thanksgiving. Cause I, I'm Thanksgiving. Well, before Christmas, but I just, I just don't have the mental capacity to, um, buy gifts for all the people in my life anymore, mostly because mo most of my energy does go to my kids. Now I'm a great gift giver to my kids. I have a, I know the things that they want. I know the things that they will love and I love finding them on sale. I found my daughter a Barbie <laughs> dream house because she's been begging for it. Ooh. I actually showed it to her. It was totally my fault on, I, cause I had one when I was younger and then I found it on Facebook marketplace, like brand new, never opened. Somebody had get, gotten two as a gift, like each grandparents had gotten them the same house. And so I got it at like 50% off. I didn't have to buy a new one. So I like I like finding stuff like that and the, the thrill of the hunt, so to speak. Um, for my husband, it's always things that we already need. So he's not going to listen to this. I just bought a barbell and then bumper plates. So those big, you know, bumper plates, which are not cheap, but I went ahead and I was like, how much are we spending on a shot this year? He was like, we're probably spending a lot because we're just at the stage in our life where the things that we want or we need are usually bigger investments and that's fine. So that's what we turn into Christmas gifts. I need a new large piece of luggage because um, mine broke. So I sent him the link to the one that I want, which is not cheap. And, um, just kind of basic stuff like that. Like we really like being practical with our gifts. So I'm excited that like we've been wanting to get a barbell and bumper plates for a long time. And he's been wanting to move into strength training, but we only have dumbbells and he can only do so much with dumbbells because um, he's a pretty strong dude. So I uh, I do not need it, but he does. So um, and then I do I do tend to theme my gifts to be health oriented. I love giving out things that I know people will really get a lot of like use from that will help their lives. So like for my dad, we always have fun finding him. I don't know, new running shoes or some, just something that I know he he'll really enjoy having and he would never buy for himself. I like, you know, I've gifted blue blocks, glasses. I've gifted lots of beauty counter, which everybody usually loves like aunts and stuff like that. Most of the brands that you'll see on here are that or that I beg to sponsor this podcast are usually turn into gifts, too. I mean, just because it's genuinely stuff that I love. Most people will get element packets in their um, stockings. My parents definitely will get and my kids will get primarily pure lip balms, like just stuff that I already love and use. I try to to pass that on to the people I know will benefit from it. And then what is the best gift that you have given and received, Stephanie? Actually, I don't know the answer to this one. It's so tough because yeah. I knock it out of the park. Oh gosh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, I, I was, I was, I was trying to, trying to think. I've done with my family uh, one time. You know, I, I danced a lot as when I was younger, and then I stopped. And so one time, I went to the dance studio and I recorded a bunch of me dancing and gave that to my mom. Oh, you know, I used I to that. wear this ring that was really important to her. I've given that to her as well. She and I do a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, so I would, yeah, I, I guess I could, I could throw that out there as, as something that I've, mm -hmm. uh, you know, tried to, tried to do or gotten for like big investments, like gone around and, and gotten people to chip in so we can get somebody like a big thing. Yeah. You know, that's always, that's always, uh, fun. So yeah, I love that. 
Yeah. I have surprised when we didn't have kids. Again, I was great at gift giving. Um, I got my husband, but he loves baseball and loves the Yankees because his dad did. He did not grow up in New York, but um, he loves the Yankees. And so I got him, I think the net, like anytime we could go to a national actual like major league baseball stadium like we just haven't got we didn't have much time to do that he was always gone he was this is when he was active in the military and so i ended up surprising him which was hard to pull off like i had to go to because you you can buy them from the exchange or i don't know what it's called the mps or something i can't remember now i think it was actually when we were stationed at the naval academy i had to like go and order the tickets and buy them from them because they had some military discounts and they have at national stadium they have a um whole gluten-free beer section and they they take that very seriously the food's good is really good there so i bought us like meal tickets and food and then surprised him that day i like decorated the whole house with like baseball whatever stuff and then took him to the game and he was we had great seats it was it was a great game great weather so that's kind of like we always have that memory um for his birthday i think that was his 30th so and my 30th my husband surprised me. That was probably the best gift. He, he drove my, I have a um, best friend that I've known since I was four. We met when I was uh, four or five at, we danced the same ballet studio and we still are best friends to this day. And I hadn't, we don't get to see each other that often. And he had her drive up for, it was like a three or four hour drive, but, um, and surprised me for my 30th birthday. And then we got to, you know, got to eat and do some fun things. So that was like, really, that was a big surprise for me. Um, and fun, and then that was like the only time my best friend came up to DC. Just because now we have kids and it's crazy, but yeah, that stuff means a lot. So, before we jump into these questions, uh, you did send me some memes, and one of them was about saving boxes on Instagram. <laughs> Hold on, I'm gonna pull it up because I relate to this. Oh, I don't know what millennial needs to hear this, but <laughs> but throw away the box your phone came in. You don't need it. You never. <laughs> You never will need it. Keep all I, I kept my, I, I have two phones. Yeah. And I, when I'm not using one of them, I put it in the box. <laughs> okay. I said, I, I texted you and I said, well, yeah, I have literally every box. My phone came like even my old boxes. Cause I'm like, well, what if I'm going to sell it? What if? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I save all boxes just in case I have to return them and even for years. And then I text you, I said, well, what about shoe boxes? Because let me tell you, I have a problem now. My, I've had to, I've bought some new shoes over the last many years. And for some reason, I just can't throw away the box and I like store them in the boxes still. So now where I used to pod record the podcast is like just stacks of shoe boxes. So it's funny you t you texted me that and there's a, there's a pair of shoes in a box next to my front door. I haven't decided <laughs> if I'm going to send them back yet, but like that box has been there for months. Didn't know that was a millennial problem, but uh, apparently it is. Here is. You guys know how much I love my hair. I have invested quite a bit of time and effort into it over the years and more recently because my hair has been thinning and been a bit more dry. One of the things that I have been thinking about for a long time is cotton pillowcases, which seems like an odd thing to be thinking about, but cotton actually absorbs moisture and can dry out your skin and hair. If you've ever woken up with frizzy hair or a bunch of sheet marks on your face, that's because of cotton. 
So we did a lot of research and recently made the upgrade to 100% mulberry silk pillowcases from a brand called Blissy. Silk actually reduces frizz, tangles, and prevents breakage because it keeps the moisture in your hair. And get this, if you're doing a skincare routine at night, but then sleeping on cotton, that cotton is actually absorbing your skincare products. Cotton causes more friction against your skin than silk does, which can lead to irritation and it can accentuate the appearance of lines, wrinkles, and creases. All of this is to say sleeping on silk has already improved my hair. I no longer wake up with sheet marks on my face or creases in my hair, which was happening every morning. The 100% mulberry silk that Blissey uses is naturally hypoallergenic, cooling, and unlike other silk pillowcases, Blissey's are machine washable and durable. This is why I chose Blissey and this is why I love them. Blissey has a ton of different prints and colors and they make great gifts because there's a ton of options for literally anyone. Try now risk-free for 60 nights at blissey.com forward slash well-fed and get an additional 30% off with our special code. That's blissey, so B-L-I-S-S-Y dot com forward slash well-fed. Use the code well-fed to get an additional 30% off. Your skin and hair will thank you. Okay, so let's get to our first question. Question is one is from Jessica, and this was a question that was asked in the Facebook group that we have. She said, I'm wondering if anyone else has experienced this. It seems my digestion problems go away completely when I am on vacation or just not staying in my own house, even if I eat the exact same things. Any reasons anyone would think this would be? My initial thoughts are either mold in my house or something in the water I'm drinking at my house. Those are entirely within the realm of possibility. It would be pretty easy to come at this question and be like, you have a psychological problem with being in your house, which Mm. is uh, entirely possible, right? Like it's entirely possible that maybe what you think about or experiences you've had there or what have you, maybe it's completely subconscious. It's entirely possible that you feel more stressed out in your house. Um, But sometimes there are small things that make a big difference. So I'm not going to dismiss the possibility of there being something in the air or the water. Um, Without more information, I wouldn't really be able to weigh in because you talk about staying, just staying not in your house. What does that mean? Like, are you Mm -hmm. staying at a friend's place for a couple of days? Is it days? Are you sleeping at home? Are you not sleeping at home? Uh, Are you actually eating exactly the same things like actually (laughs) or is there just like a little bit of a change right like do you have a little bit more fiber when you're at home do you have a little bit more this more that do you drink more water you know Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff um there could be small habitual differences but without knowing what they are i don't really feel like i can i can weigh in but i I would uh, maybe encourage you to like write it down sometimes we overlook differences that when we write them down, become more apparent uh, and really paying attention to, to all those things that we, that we do. So um, yeah, I know that that's super vague, but I just, I guess I would recommend that, you know, being, being more specific and drilling into that. And if things are actually exactly the same, then yeah, it's environmental or psychological. Those are the only two answers left. So that's super, actually, that's super interesting because 
it can be something very small, like say you have a Lara bar or whatever, you know, a fruit bar or something when you're at the house, but you don't think it's a big deal. And you're like, oh, I'm eating the same breakfast, lunch and dinner, but it's that little snack, something that you are potentially, you know, your stomach is upset by your digestion is off. Um, so recording it, really making note of it. I mean, if you are outside of the house, but you like bring your food with you and you eat that exact same food and that is all the same, then that's, you know, that's one way to test it. Another way to test it is to use a separate water filter or buy, you know, um, like I know Whole Foods and stuff does like alkaline water that you just, you go and buy from there, you fill up your containers and you buy from there. Like you can try just drinking that for a week, water separate from your house. Um, mold can absolutely be a common issue. And a lot of people say if all your symptoms go away when you leave the house, but when you come back, it's there, it's usually mold. However, you typically would have other symptoms, not just digestive. One of the things that I did want to mention and why I wanted this question to be on the podcast is it's very common for people, especially people who are working full-time or have full-time jobs or just, you know, full-time moms and, you know, that you're you're in the daily grind when you go on vacation for all of those symptoms to go away because they are it, it in essence it's it's symptoms of chronic mm-hmm. stress. So bec- when you're living continually, like I think a lot of times we don't necessarily see the chronic stress that we're living in. When you are constantly dealing with the stress of work or being a parent or, you know, and also not sleeping. Like if you're not sleeping as much because you're, you know, your kids are getting up in the middle of the night. If you're, if you're having to deal with family or work issues, if, you know, all of that chronic stuff tends to compile on top of each other. And so when you're living your normal day-to-day life, some of those, you know, that can cause digestive issues, unresolved trauma, all of that stuff. So it kind of stacks on top of each other. Then when you go on vacation and you leave, you're taking away some of those big common stressors like work and, you know, you're getting yourself out of that situation, essentially getting yourself out of that chronic stress situation. So it's very normal for people to experience this. And I think it's a really, if you do experience it, it's a sign that you are dealing with chronic stress in your home and it's time to re- to kind of peel back the layers and figure out what am i doing that is adding too much stress to my life how am i how am i mismanaging my stress how can i manage my stress better whether it's you know taking more time off or sleeping more or managing my blue light exposure or getting outside more or exercising more whatever it is you've got to figure out better ways to mitigate the stress and digestive honestly digestive is I, I I find that digestive issues are so commonly and so inextricably linked with chronic stress because that's typically the one thing that that goes is our body doesn't need to necessarily focus on digestion when we're experiencing chronic cortisol, chronic, you know, adrenaline, that's going to speed up our digestion and it can cause a lot of and over time that can lead to long-term issues whether it's gas or bloating, um intestinal permeability, all that kind of stuff. And it, then it kind of cascades into other issues. So I do feel like chronic stress and digestive issues, I mean, they go kind of like hand in hand. Um, and so that's just something to evaluate and think about because I do know that a lot of women experience that. So um, let us know what you find, Jessica. I think it'll be super interesting. Okay, this is question number two. It's from Farah. She says, my 19-year-old daughter 
uh, played soccer since she was three. Her period was almost non-existent the four years in high school. Her team practiced nine months of the year, two times a day during summer. She's been out of school for almost two years and all of a sudden having hormonal acne with her periods and on her first day is starting to throw up. What is a good place to start to try and tackle this issue? So if by out of school for almost two years, there's still a question of what's happening in those two years, right? Not if she's not playing soccer, what might she be doing? And if she's 19, does that mean she is living in a dorm? Does that mean she's, even if she's living at home, is she now spending a lot more time elsewhere? Because there could be, so many things go, but there's so many things mm-hmm. here. Um, like the food that you're eating, right? Uh, perhaps her diet has changed if she's eating in a cafeteria all the time. You know, perhaps there's a bunch of really inflammatory foods. Uh, perhaps there is something having to do with the type of food that she's eating, in which case, some kind of elimination thing, some kind of Back to the basics, something like Noel and I offer in our book, Coconuts and Kettlebells, um, could be one thing that's a part of the palette of the the approach, right? And you're saying that she has hormonal acne, and so it's with her periods, which does suggest that it's likely hormonal, um, in which case another thing you can do is go get some tests done to confirm that suspicion because you definitely would want to know if her acne is related to really high levels of uh, testosterone and or DHEAS, both of which are associated with acne, both of which are quote unquote male sex hormones. Women have them in fewer, in lesser amounts. Um And so if it's actually, you would like to confirm, right, that it is hormonal, so then you can deal with it. Um, And also, of course, there is the question of uh, her periods after high school. You mentioned it being non-existent during high school with that sport. And so has her period come back? Has it been regular? Has it been irregular? These are questions that can also help you, I guess, what I might say is like build out the profile of what this could be. I build out the hormone profile. Is she menstruating? Is it regular? Do you want to get tests done on testosterone and DHEAS, which will could signal that? Also, of course, estrogen and progesterone levels are very relevant to acne. And uh, also, of course, what is her lifestyle, right? Is she exercising still? Has she not been for two years, but then started? Right. Um, has she perhaps started under eating? Did she go two years without exercising and then develop some kind of question about her body or about how she feels about her body in the last two years that she is now maybe eating less or exercising more than she has been for the last two years? Right. Her period came back for two years. Did she put on weight and then decide she didn't want it? Right. I mean, these are all just questions I'm asking. I'm not saying, um, but they're they would then be able to help you think more about, okay, is this due to something related to PCOS? 
Is this due to something, uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome? Is this due to related to under eating stuff, over exercising stuff? Is this due to stress, which can also be huge if you move out of the house, if you're going to college, if you're working, if you're, you know, what have you. And by the way, and why I'm talking about colleges and stuff, like I'm making no assumptions about what, what she's doing. These are just things that could be. So, um, unfortunately, my, my first place to start here is with, um, more questions. Uh, so I would start with uh, getting a little bit more information about specifically what changes happened and in diet and in lifestyle and in sleep and in stress, um, maybe getting some tests done, especially if you find out her periods are consistently irregular. And since they were gone throughout high school, I would not at all be surprised if they were continuing to be sporadic. Um, those things tend to go hand in hand. People who's uh, menstrual cycles become more easily irregular can also then more easily um, not menstruate uh, as a, some sort of predisposition. Uh, and also, of course, I don't know to, you know, you're asking for your daughter, to what degree do you talk about these things, right? To what degree is, are you involved in her doing this? Does she, is she proactively soliciting your help? Uh, will you be able to talk about what could be going on? Uh, will she be open to going to the doctor to getting getting some tests done? Like all these kinds of things are questions. Um, but some more information and then maybe testing to look at hypothalamic amenorrhea or PCOS um, and or PCOS as two potential first lines of inquiry. Uh, hypothyroidism could, of course, also be at play or any other kind of, you know, immune or stress-related thing. Digestion. Is she having, you know, you mentioned throwing up, is she having other kinds of digestive issues? Could it actually be a more inflammatory immune kind of thing? And the hormone stuff, instead of being the primary cause, it's actually secondary to that, right? Those, those are, those are questions. And so uh, I would start with, you know, flushing, flushing out a lot more about what could have potentially changed. Yeah, totally. There's a ton of variables. I think essentially what you could boil it down to is I mean, PMS, which I think a lot of women, you know, we grew up hearing about PMS and was like, oh, you're moody and you don't, you know, you don't feel good. Mm -hmm. There's actually like a lot of PMS can be a collection of symptoms and it's not normal. While it's common, it's not normal to experience all of these symptoms like nausea and bloating and, you know, yeah. throwing up and the tender breasts and headache and diarrhea and feeling sad and moody and anxious, like changes in appetite, all of that stuff are is in, you know, it's a collection. You can experience one or many of those symptoms and that's PMS. And quite frankly, what I believe is, you know, if you're experiencing PMS, you're experiencing some sort of hormonal imbalance, whether that is you're struggling with, you know, your body and it actually being certain imbalance or you have certain imbalances or or maybe you're even exposed to certain um, endocrine disruptors and that's throwing your hormone balance off or, you know, your body is struggling to properly detoxify those hormones. And so that's what's causing the the hormonal imbalance. So um, there can be a lot of things at the root of PMS. I think the top, I will say five or six, the first one would be stress and adrenal dysfunction, which would at its root is a chronic cortisol problem. So is she dealing with chronic stress that she's unable to deal with? And I want to make sure that we note that chronic cortisol and chronic stress isn't just 
oh, I'm studying for a test and it's really hard. It's also over exercising and under eating and not getting outside enough and, you know, dealing with certain unresolved traumas. Uh, the second thing is inflammation. So that would be like poor diet or gut dysfunction. And I do think there's probably something going on with her gut and there's probably some inflammation there. So that's where diet takes a, you need to look at diet. The second, or what am I at? Third thing would probably be nutrition um, deficiencies. So commonly uh, deficiencies in magnesium, B vitamins, fat soluble vitamins like A, D, E, and K that can all create a situation in which your body becomes imbalanced because some of those key nutrients help your body detoxify hormones and we need to really support your liver um, to properly detoxify hormones. Um, unresolved or undiagnosed thyroid problems, chronic exposure to estrogens, and that's um, what I briefly mentioned before, which you could be getting that through pesticides. So, so much now is Gosh, there's so much glyphosate residue on most foods that are eaten. It might be being sprayed wherever she's living. Um, but skincare, plastics, is she commonly like chronically drinking out of water bottles, heating food and Tupperware? All of that can be chronic exposure to endocrine disruptors. And then blood sugar imbalances, which I know all of this is really hard for whether she's in college or just young teenagers, it's hard. It's hard to talk about blood sugar issues and gut dysfunction, you know, because they just want to eat <laughs> food. Um, but that's where some of these things really come into play. And you can actually, it's a great education opportunity about, you know, eating a good, healthy protein and fat in the morning to stabilize blood sugar and eating, you know, high quality meals and nutrient dense foods and stuff like that. So remedies for this, I think number one would be supporting, um, kind of teaching her a little bit about the liver if, if you have the ability to do that. And I have a whole article on my website that's called Natural Remedies for PMS. And really, essentially, the, the top recommendations are support your liver. So in other words, support your liver with proper nutrients, with sulfur-rich foods like broccoli and leafy greens, um, and foods rich in heme iron like grass-fed meats and beef and stuff like that. Um the second thing is eat diversely. So that would be, you know, <laughs> eat the rainbow, but really be focusing on nutrients, high quality protein. That's really the idea is blood sugar balance and trying to reduce inflammation and then get really serious about stress reduction. And I think this is where we've really got to teach our young girls that stress is not just mental. It's a physical manifestation. It's how your body it changes your entire physiology. I did not realize this when I was in college. I did not realize that, and even in my early 20s, that stress like unequivocally changed completely how my body was functioning and that that stress wasn't just the stress I put on myself at, with schoolwork or the stress that I put on myself, like my own expectations, which that's kind of what you know, I always thought of as stress, like, oh, I've got a test and I really want to do good. But it was it was more the the over exercising and the not really supporting my body with high quality protein or fat and under eating and not um, dealing with some of the mental and emotional issues that I had sort of built up over the course of my adolescence and letting that kind of run amok. Um so, and even like inefficient sleep, <laughs> again, very hard for college students to grasp this, but 
getting to bed and getting to bed before midnight um, is usually a generally a good idea, especially at that age, because you're still growing so much even then. I mean, it's so interesting when you're stationed at the Naval Academy to see these 18-year-olds come in and then to see them graduate. They looked like little baby children when they came in and then they graduate and you're like, holy crap, how much you grow and change and like become an adult over the four years of college. So you still got to really be supporting your body with um, nutrient-dense foods. And it's so sad because so many women during those that stage of life are really thinking about shrinking and becoming smaller and under eating <laughs> um, and working out too much. And it's because you can handle it then. And that's the messages society has given you. But it's such a growth period. And it's so important just not only for like your overall health, but bone density and all of that stuff. Um, I would definitely recommend supplementing with magnesium. I think that's huge, uh, especially at that age. Um, and consider cycle syncing. I think that might be helpful. So if you can teach her how to track her cycles, she'll be able to tell where the irregularities are. So is it within the follicular phase or is it within the luteal phase? And then you can kind of start to narrow down what is it, where are the, where's the dysfunction happening? Where's the irregularity happening? And then um, kind of explore a little bit further, like why that is. Because if you go to your conventional doctor, they're going to treat those symptoms with birth control. And birth control is only, it's synthetic hormone. It's only going to cover up the symptoms. And when she comes off birth control, it's going to be worse later. So it's better to really figure out what the root cause is as opposed to just covering it up with synthetic hormones and shutting her own hormone production down, her own ovulation down. Any more thoughts? <laughs> Sorry. No, it was awesome. It was super thorough. And the question, I had so uh, much that we could talk about nutritionally, different yeah. body systems, mental stuff in early adulthood, you know, late adolescence. Yeah. So, yes. it's a lot. you know, guys, my kid's five, but I'm sure. Over the next many years, uh, it you know it's going to come up a lot more. I I mm. it's hard. It's hard. I I, I I'm always already thinking like, how am I going to teach her, and how am I even going to teach my son? My little baby boy, he follows me everywhere, and he's like, why are you bleeding? You know, mm. he'll like make these comments, and I'm like, but it's my period. Like it's how you, it's how you came to this world. Like <laughs> the reason you're here. Um. So like you know, I'm always trying to educate in little ways without scarring my my child because Stella is very sensitive to mm. things. Like she's like, oh, like when she sees blood. But I just wanted to be casual and I want the dialogue mm -hmm. to be open. And you know, when she becomes twelve or thirteen, I don't know. She may think I'm a loser and not want to talk to me about anything. But I'm hoping that I can still, you know, be a resource and talk about these things and and talk about cycle syncing and really educate both her and Maverick about. Um, cycles and what that looks like and what that means and when you, you know, what what a period means and what ovulation means just so that they have that knowledge and that's normalized and managing that is normalized. Um, and then even, you know, I, I can't say that Stella's, Stella's going to be out in the world. She's going to be out in society and she's going to see all the things. And so I don't know what she's going to deal with and what she's not going to deal with, but I'm sure I'm sure I'll bring it up here, you know, with her permission um, as she gets older. But I can only imagine, you know, it must be hard having like an 18, 19 year old daughter who's an athlete and she's having and she's struggling with all these issues and you want to help them. But they need some education. And unfortunately, our system does not provide them with 
proper education. In fact, it's usually just take the birth control pill. That's usually what, mm-hmm. what the education is for, for teens. Listen up for a new offer for free electrolytes for everyone, even if you've already made a purchase. When you are dehydrated, you need more than just water. Your body also needs minerals. That's because water absorption in your cells is dependent upon electrolytes like sodium, magnesium, and potassium, and you lose electrolytes when you sweat and when you go to the bathroom, and you have to replenish them through food and supplementation. If you're active or you follow a whole foods diet or you're stressed and struggling with adrenal dysfunction, you need to be thinking about electrolyte replacement. Deficiencies can show up as dizziness, muscle cramps, headaches, fatigue, and sleep disturbances, or those stars when you go from seated to standing, especially on workout days, which was my experience. I let that go on for far too long, and now that I replace my electrolytes, I can tell you that I have not had that happen in so long. I also have much better recovery and can handle more workouts. Element is by far the best electrolyte supplementation Coming from somebody who spent years in the endurance world, I can say that confidently. They make grab-and-go electrolyte replacement with no sugar, gluten fillers, artificial ingredients, and it's paleo-friendly. It's travel-friendly, too, and great for kids. My kids love it. We even took it with us on vacation. And everyone gets a free gift with purchase. Element comes in boxes of 30, and there is free shipping on all orders. And now all orders will get a free 8-pack, which has all the flavors of Element. To get it, go to drinklmnt.com forward slash wellfed. And make sure to use our code wellfed for the free sample 8-pack. Again, that's Drink element.com forward slash well-fed. Okay, so last question is from Kristen Kirsten. She says, tips on saying no thank you. When at holiday parties, I used to feel bad for not eating certain dishes that don't align with my goals and or food sensitivities slash preferences. In my mind, I thought I was being rude by saying no thank you. What are some, what's some verbiage? Or tips that you can you give to clients who want to enjoy being with friends and family, but don't want to have to constantly explain or defend themselves when family pressure comes down. This is one of my favorite topics to address on the podcast. I love uh, I love talking about it because I feel so strongly like it is totally okay to have preferences. There were so many. There's a lot of cultures in the world, and I understand when you're participating in them, where it's rude to deny an offering. Right. But I, and sometimes you don't get to choose the people that you're having holiday celebrations with. And so for them, it might be rude. And that's, that's like, that's just, that's just a fact. And in these instances, you can say, I'm really, I would love this so much. (laughs) I'm really sorry, but I cannot have this. I cannot. Like if if I have this, sometimes I say to people, I'm like, look, I would love this so much. But if I even have one sip of your red wine, I am going to immediately have a migraine mm. headache. And and I'm so sorry, but I'm pretty sure like a lot of times people offer you something and they don't know what's going to happen to you if you eat it. And if you're willing to tell them, by the way, I'm going to have terrible diarrhea if I even have a bite of your gluten tortilla. Gluten's not, it's not a problem, you know, but like as example, they would be like, oh, okay. Cause they right. don't want to make that happen to you. Yeah. They don't want that for you either. And it's so funny because in society, 
We do so much of tiptoeing around what people might want or need in so many different circumstances. Like, oh no, what if they think this? And what if they think that? What if, what if, what if? But guess what? If you tell them what's going on for you, they actually want the thing that's good for you. We make so many sacrifices for people that are completely unnecessary, like completely unnecessary. And in fact, they don't want you to be making them. And if I, if if they do, uh, that's their problem. Period. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so so uh, tips on words, like you could just have a curt like no thank you if you don't want to you know somebody you don't talk to you don't want to whatever no thank you fine. But you can say like hey I would really love this but. And that's in the case that if something is like really really bad for you, if it's something that you're just like. I don't even want to say just choosing because just choosing is okay too, but frame it in terms of something you personally experience or are committed to, right? Like, yo, I'm experimenting with not having sugar and it's doing really great things for me right now. So as much as I love this cookie, I, it would be cool for me in a week. I'm going to be really glad to keep seeing what not having sugar in my life is like. So this is amazing. Or you can like, you know, like, like go lean over it and be like, oh, it smells so good. You know, like you can participate in what they're offering. You know, oh, it looks so beautiful. I heard somebody over there go, hmm, mm-hmm. and I wish that I could do that, you know, but I just can't. And so whether it's something you need or it's a choice, if you just explain it, people will get it, you know, and if they don't, you know, that's okay. Just deliver it in a soft and kind way, you know? Yeah. You can deliver it softly if you like the person. You can deliver it not so softly and make them feel awkward if you don't like them. How about that? <laughs> sure. I mean, like if you sure, but also like, yeah. Why? You know, like I mean, that's look. That's the sure. <laughs> Some people get upset. Like, yeah, why? It's, it's it's easy to shut people down when you're like, I don't want this. It's going to give me diarrhea. Like, I mean, you <laughs> you say that straight up. Like they're going to be. They're, oh, okay. You know, um, but you could, you you know, there's, there's certain many tears. There's like, here's me <laughs> graciously declining. Here's me holding my boundary. Here's me strongly telling you my boundary. Right. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so you can absolutely say something like, you know, it looks so beautiful, but I just, I can't do that right now. Or I, you know, you, you don't even, I mean, it is a little, you bit don't have to explain. No. Say it yeah. again. I was sorry. I was just seating. Like, no, you don't have to explain. You don't, you're not obliged. You don't right. have to, but you can. Right. And I, I come, yeah, I completely understand. You don't, you don't have to explain if you want to explain because somebody prepared something and then you're like, I don't want it. Like, obviously that comes, that's like a rejection. And so I get where the sensitivity comes from in that. Absolutely. And so you can like happened to me at the Marine Corps ball this last weekend where cheesecake came came out and they're all like, why aren't you eating the cheesecake? And I'm like, you know, dairy does not like me. (laughs) And that's all I said. You know, I was like, oh, right, right, right. I'm like, I can do cheese and I can do certain kinds of dairy cannot do cheesecake. Believe me, it will not be good. And they were like, oh yeah, yeah, totally get it. So, um, you can do it like that. Like I make it very casual and I just say, yeah, that just doesn't do well with me. Whatever it is, you know, just sugar cookies don't do well with me. And people will be like, oh, okay. What are they going to say? You should have it anyway. Like, 
screw you. No, thank you. Like, no, I mean, no. So people are generally going to accept something like that. You can very, you can equally say you do not have to explain your choices. You don't have to explain to them what you're doing or what you're avoiding or what the reason is. You can just simply say, oh, no, thank you. I'm good for now. Like, that's another one. Or, you know what? I'm not feeling very hungry for that right now. Like, if somebody wants to push back on that, then you can maybe go the the diarrhea route. But um, that's in general. I don't find it to be a huge problem when I respond in that way. Now, I will tell you where this will be my two minute rant, where it becomes a problem is with children. Why the heck do people think that they need to push their choices for food on your own children? I do. It's something I will not understand. I did not experience it, obviously, until I had children. It's crazy when you go to family gatherings and all of these other family members want your children to eat certain foods. And so then they try to become the authority on what your children should eat. I am their mother. If I needed your opinion, I will come ask you. It's like every holiday season, it causes some sort of problem because X family member wants your child to eat this. And you're like, hey, no, we're good. And I know what works for them and what doesn't. We need to keep our stability and our routine. So we're going to do something else. But then it becomes an issue. And it's super frustrating, especially coming from a from a mom, me, who wants to keep food freedom and not elevating certain foods above others. Even with friends, it's it's kind of a struggle sometimes to to help manage what I know is right for my children and what's right for us. And no, I don't want them to have that ice cream because I don't want them to be having diarrhea tonight. Like kind of just just stuff like that is is hard and it's a struggle. Um, and I have I've had to say, please ask me before you feed my child anything to multiple people. If 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 you're going to eat something before you just hand it off to my child, please come and ask me first if it's OK. If you um you know, it's totally fine to hold boundaries too with your children. And I think probably the best thing to do would be to talk about it before your kids, before you've arrived and when your kids are not around. So anyway, I think I kept that to two minutes. Anything else from you, Steph? No, I'm good. Okay. All right. For more from us. Oh, happy holidays, everybody. I hope you guys have a good Christmas and you get to good New Year's. You get to spend it with all the ones that you love. Um, We're really excited about this year. We will be taking a few episodes off and doing some renewed episodes, which are going to be fantastic. And we will be back in the new year talking about none other than goals. (laughs) 2023 goals. And are we making them? I know the suspense is going to kill you. So we'll be back um, for more from StephanieHealthToEmpower.com. For more from me, CoconutsAndCannibals.com. Thanks, guys, for being here. We will talk to you next week.